The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Barry Church, Danny McRae, and Nui Scruggs. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, a player's day off, but it is the Players' Lounge that is on for the next 45 minutes, brought to you by Hotels.com. You know what, I will give them a Long-time Cowboys reporter, joined by two former Dallas Cowboys players. They were safeties in their times here in the Silver and Blue, talking about Danny McRae and Barry Church. We have one full week of NFL football played in this COVID pandemic, so... Congratulations to the league for getting it done. Um, we had two games wrap up yesterday for Monday Night Football. The Steelers take out the New York Giants in game one. And then the second game, the Denver Broncos hosted the Tennessee Titans with the Titans in, uh, ending up winning that game 16-14. All right, Barry, uh, week one, what do you think? And uh, what did you think about the Monday Night games last game? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to start out with this, this New York um, this New York game that they had out there. Um, it you know, I thought our offensive line looked bad a little bit during that week one loss against the Rams, but I mean, we're nowhere near as treacherous as that New York or New York Giants offensive line looked. I mean, 11 out of 16 carries for um, Saquon Barkley, he was hit in the backfield. He didn't even get a chance to get to the line of scrimmage to see what he can do. I mean, so that just gives me a more positive light towards this uh, Dallas offensive line because New York looked horrendous. And Danny Dimes, I mean, he, he had his flashing moments. I feel like um, Jason Garrett called a pretty good game. He kept the Steelers off balance um, for the most part. It was just the mistakes made by Danny Dimes towards, you know, they were they had a 19-play drive, and then they got down to the red zone. All he had to do was throw the ball away. There was no one open, yet he made a rookie mistake in his second year. And, and probably that was a turning point in the game. So if I'm, in my outlook of that first game, it just it goes down to the offensive line play again in the trenches. It just looked horrendous. Yeah, same here. Uh, from last night, I'll tell you this. Pittsburgh is on our schedule, and their defense ain't nothing to play with. I'm telling you, <laughs> if you're not ready to play and you haven't schemed up ways to slow this defensive line down, this front seven, they will eat you alive. So we, we learned a little bit from them. Um, Dan, Dan, like you said, Danny Downs made, made a, a huge mistake at the um, at that 19 play drive, which was which was it, it just killed them. Um, I, I, I honestly thought it was a good game. Uh, I, I feel bad for Saquon because if they don't block uh, this season, he he won't have many good stats. His games will look very similar to, to those. He'll be lining up at the X receiver soon just so they can <laughs> so they can get him some get him the ball in his hands because the, the offensive line is not blocking on the run. Um, but I thought it was a good game. Uh, shout out to Big Ben for coming back. Uh, you know, showing showing that he still can do it, and Juju showing that if he, is he, if he has a quarterback, then he can still make plays. He doesn't need a B. So it, it, it was good to see see those two connect and, and Big Ben get out there and make some plays. Hey, and I know I don't say this much, but man, man, shout out to Toledo, man. You see the, the young cat out there, uh, <laughs> Dante Johnson, the wide receiver out there. I mean, he looked like a young AB out there, quick as lightning. So, hey, shout out to Toledo, man. They produce safeties and wide receivers. You know, just I was, I was, that's all. I was nervous for him, man, because he started off rough, though, Church. He started he off. He did. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> he started off real rough. I was like, man, here we go again. But, nah, he ended up, he ended up pulling it out, though. He ended up pulling it out. <laughs> 
All right, for, for those of you who don't know, Barry Church played football for the Toledo Rockets. He doesn't uh, ever talk about his alma mater with the love and admiration that Danny does for LSU or I do for USC Pembroke. So, so why is that, Church? You never, you never really broke it down for us, man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna break it down, you know, for the listeners, man. Because Toledo, you know, I, I went there. I played safety, stri- strictly safety, my first two years, man. I was a freshman All-American, all t- first team All-Mac, all that good stuff. And then my junior year, they decided to move me to this hybrid linebacker position. I, it, it just blew my mind. I mean, you, I, I felt like I was playing great at safety, and then they moved me to this hybrid linebacker position for the, my last two years. Still made All-Mac and all that stuff, but. It was just frustrating, man. Just just frustrating situation there. But, you know, shout out to Toledo, man. They doing all right out there. So so you mad at the coaching staff, not the university? Yeah, I'm mad at the coaching staff. And the coaching staff's not there anymore, so I got to start showing some more love to Toledo. But, yeah, they did me dirty, man. They, they did me wrong. <laughs> you know what, Church? I look at it this way. Despite the adversity, look at what you've done out of it. I mean, maybe, and I'm not saying it's a good case, but maybe – if it was different, who knows how it would have worked out for you because you came to a situation with the Cowboys where you were able to make the team uh, as an undrafted free agent. You ended up becoming a starter, and then you got that big-time that big time deal out of Jacksonville. So if you're drafted, maybe you don't, you know, maybe they got you. I don't know, man. It just, it, it just, it just worked out, right? It just worked out. This is true. This is very true. I mean, it ended up working out in my favor, so... I guess I can't be too mad. I just know at, at the time I, I was pretty hot, and I figured that's the reason I didn't get drafted. So, uh, but it ended up it ended up working out like you said. You know, I just it just took me a while to get over it. That's all. All right, that Tennessee Denver game, the once brilliance of Steven Goskowski is gone, and it makes me think one more time to how Bill Belichick truly understands how to get rid of a football player a year year too early, because uh, the the missed kicks almost cost the Titans the football game, but they end up winning it uh, 16-14. to That's my big takeaway out of of watching that, is Tennessee's got to get themselves a kicker if they want to go as far as they did last year, and they were one game away from the Super Bowl last season, losing the AFC Championship game to the Kansas to City Chiefs. Danny, your thoughts on that? Man, that game came on so late, I, for, I forgot that it was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was It was. tough, man, to see that guy miss those kicks, but I tell you what, the coach still put it on him at the end and, and showed him that he had confidence in him to win the game, and he came out there and he made the field goal. I tell you, Derrick Henry is still a monster. He's going to be a problem for the whole uh, NFL, and especially in that division. So as long as they have him, they still have a, a, a chance to, uh, to win that division and be a contender in the playoffs. Yeah, you, um, I, I feel for Gustowski right there. I mean, you could just see the frustration in his eyes, his body language after those missed kicks. I mean, he was able to go out there and redeem himself for the game winner, but you just got to feel for a guy like that. And uh, I'm with you, Nui, on this point. I mean, it goes to show you the genius of Bill, Be- Bill Belichick because right now he's looking really smart. I mean, he got rid of Gustowski. He went out there and shank a pot and missed everything. Then he got rid of uh, Tom Brady, who he had a decent game, but he didn't look like the Tom Brady of old. And then he went and got on a flyer with uh, Cam Newton for, you know, vet minimum. And he looks like a genius the way he's out there doing it right now. So kudos to uh, Bill Belichick on that one. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go with Bill Belichick. Okay. Would you rather... (laughs) Would you rather have, I listen, and, and know we take out they went to the Super Bowl last year and all this. Would you rather have Cam Newton or Jimmy G on your team right now? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Because they definitely, because Bill Belichick definitely wanted Jimmy G. 
That was the heir apparent, <laughs> right? So, you know, he, he, he could have been stuck with Jimmy G and Cam Newton could have been somewhere else. So as, as much as he does know, I think this worked out for him in, in that case. Okay. It still worked I can, out. I can, I can see know, that. But bottom line is it still worked out. And for Bill Belichick, you think about nine Super Bowl appearances and six, uh, six Super Bowl wins, it has worked out for him very much in his in his favor. So um, you got to give Bill the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. You look at these things. Are you going to miss on some? Sure. Everybody misses. But he's clearly hit on more than, uh, th- than anyone. Um, that I've seen in my years of covering football, and I covered Bill Belichick when I was in Cleveland before when the Browns ended up leaving town here. So you could have never told me he would have the kind of success that he's had and that he's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame at that time. And they had a really good staff that we can all look look back now of how many great players and coaches were there with the Cleveland Browns during that era. He, he knows what he's doing, and, and I definitely will side with him most of the time. Here's one thing that I took away, especially if you're Cowboy fans, all right? Um, Listen up, okay? Everybody on the players' lines right now, listen up. The Cowboys face the NFC West, and they face the AFC North this year. Those teams in those divisions right now look really good. Obviously, we saw what the Rams have, okay? The Rams brought that running game back, and if they can run, that's going to help make Jared Goff a lot better. Seattle ended up taking Atlanta to the woodshed. That, that score could have been worse than what it was. Russell Wilson throwing four touchdown passes there. Then you look over at AFC North, and the, and the Cowboys got to go to Baltimore. They get Pittsburgh at home. We saw Roethlisberger, the three touchdown passes, the dominant defense they had, and Baltimore just took Cleveland apart in that football game so you know there's there's a couple teams right there on the schedule for the Cowboys that they got to really pay attention to because uh it's not going to be easy trying to get to the 10 wins that I said the Cowboys are going to get to so uh, a lot lot of work when you look at those divisions there but it's still week one okay it's still week one the Cowboys are like a whole lot of half the league okay taking an L (laughs) and despite as bad as we felt they looked at times they still lost by three points. So that's the bright side of things. Let's dive into the injuries here, gentlemen. Jerry Jones on 105.3, the fans saying that the Cowboys are going to address their injuries within house. So Cam Irving, who's got a meniscus, going to miss two to four weeks. Got Leighton Vanderesh with a collarbone injury, broken collarbone. He's going to miss uh, probably six to eight weeks. Then he got tight end Blake Jarwin out for the year. Danny, how do you feel about Jerry saying, hey, we're going to look in-house and try and fill these positions. We're not going to go look outside first. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's smart because you, the, the guys, you know, in-house have been guys who've been through the system and they're familiar with the coaches and the plays and the schemes. And, you know, the, the weeks go by fast, right? We're coming up on Wednesday where you're already inputting stuff. So it is more difficult to go outside and look for a guy who can step up and play this week. But I think at the end of the day, the, the people who are filling in for the long term in this season, which for the LVE's uh, position, I think it'll be a season long thing. I think they will have to go outside and find somebody to, to fill that position outside of, uh, you know, what they have now, because I don't see his uh, season long replacement in the locker room uh, currently. Yeah, for me, it makes me extremely nervous that he's talking about, you know, just bringing in in-house guys to help replace these this unit. Now, if, if there was a healthy Sean Lee, then I would say, OK, you know, the linebacker position should be just fine. But with LVE going down, do they assume I assume that they're going to put Joe Thomas in there and nothing against Joe Thomas. I think he's um, explosive. He's fast and he can run sideline to sideline. But I just don't see him as an everyday or every down backer just banging in there in the trenches. I see 
see him more as maybe a nickel or dime type backer or in cover situations. So we'll, we'll see what, what goes on in that situation. And as far as the tight end goes with Blake Jarwin going down, Dalton Schultz, yes, he, he they say he had a, a pretty impressive camp out there, but I, the way he performed in week one, dropping those passes, I just don't think he's the answer at tight end. So we'll have to, we'll have to uh, keep looking for that one. But And as far as right tackle, I mean, Brandon or Steele, who was in there for Lyle Collins, we know Lyle, Lyle's going to come back maybe in these next couple weeks. But Steele, he graded out as, I believe, one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive or starting offensive lineman this week by pro football focus. So I don't think we can go in-house and find these solutions, but... We're going to have to try because week two is coming around soon. Well, 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 listen, my bad. So bringing up the pro football focus, I think Zach Martin was on that list too for, uh, yeah. for people who didn't yeah. perform very well. So, listen, they can hold out, you know what I'm saying, for a few weeks and get LC back. And, and with the tight end, I, I know I – listen, it's Tuesday. I was hard on Monday, you know, on, on the defense and the O-line and, and tight end. I think that what happened with Schultz is – he was thrust into a position that he didn't think he was going to have to be in, right? And I think, you know, the lights may have been too bright for him, but I think this week he'll settle down and he'll show us why they said he has such a great uh, training camp. So I'm, I'm going to give him another chance this week. You know, I'm, I'm going to lighten up and, uh, you know, try to feel, you know, a little bit more positive about the Cowboys going forward. Yesterday was oh. just super frustrating. Danny, stay with me right here because this is where you guys come in and, and help, our, help the folks who tune into the Players' Lounge. How do the Cowboys coaching staff, how does the coaching staff, and even the teammates, how do they get Steele and Schultz to raise this game up? Because you need these guys this week. So how do you get them better? Well, well, well Church can tell you that, you know, so I'll, I'll give you from my experience, right? So when that, the year that uh, we keep going back to when everybody got hurt when me and Church were playing, I was thrust into a position of, you know, having to go play starting safety. Well, you know, we're not able to be on the field as long, uh, you know, with the new CBA. So what happens is when you go out there and you're at practice, the ones get most of the important reps. Then the twos get a couple reps. And if you're a three, you really don't get any game reps, right? So most of your stuff comes from film. So a lot of times when, when, when guys go down and then you, you put a, a, a guy who's second string into that position where he, he hadn't got as many reps as the starters got, so some of the stuff may look a little new to him and he didn't get that experience. And you see that happen with Dalton Schultz because I know it happened to me, right? So I, I think this week it'll just be a little bit different. I think he'll, he'll, he'll get a little bit more focus, a little bit more attention from the coaches, and I think he'll be able to pick up his play. But it's, it's tough, you know, being, in, being a second team or third team and coming in and having to fill that starting role when you hadn't really got as many reps as, as, as the starters. Yeah, and for me, I think um, I think the situation with uh, Steele is I just think the coaches have to instill that confidence in him. Um, I feel like you know when they watch him, when they break down the film, yes, he, he's made some mistakes and he, he gave up a sack towards the end. But I don't think as a coach you should just go in there and just berate him and just kind of push him down like, man, you got to play better than this, you got to step your game up because he is a young player, he's a rookie, and he's trying to figure out the game as he goes as a starter. He didn't think he was going to have to be thrust into this lineup this early in the season. So I just think the coaching staff can just instill that. That confidence in them let them let him know that hey we, we know what you can do out there there's a reason you're you're thrust into this position right now and you're a starter we believe in you we trust in you just get that confidence going in him and I think he'll be able to play a lot better and awfully also if you just let him know that hey we're gonna send help your way we're gonna have people chip in we're gonna have the running backs chipping for you on the way out for their their patterns or whatever I just think that the coaching staff needs to just get this confidence going in this young man and I think he'll uh, perform a lot better
<laughs> they go send. They go send us some help. Hopefully, if, if the rest of the O line is getting killed, if the rest of the O line is playing like that, there's no help coming for him because they, they need to shore up the inside. So hopefully, the rest of the O line can perform up to up to up to par, and then they can send that help over there to him. Because like we talked about last week, make him tell you that he doesn't need the help. Start the game off by helping him, and I, and we didn't do that. Cowboys take on the Atlanta Falcons Sunday at Jerry World. They had season tickets, uh, single season, I should say, single tickets on sale yesterday. So go ahead, get over there because fans can go to the game. We've got a lot more to dive into here on the Players' Lounge. We'll dive into Dak Prescott's deal. Jalen Smith, uh, he's getting dogged out here. What does Jerry Jones have to say about Leighton Vanderesh? Let's dive into that Ezekiel uh, workload, the fourth down call. We got a lot to get. We got a lot of stuff to get to. I'm Nui Scruggs. That's Barry Church. Also, Danny McCray. This is the Players Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com. Hey there, Cowboys fans! With Type Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. To the Players Lounge. Cinema Drive-Ins brings the classic nostalgia of drive-in movies to the star. Enjoy all the features of these timeless outdoor theaters in a safe and innovative environment brought to you by the 21st Century with the latest technology, stunning visuals, and the latest and greatest Hollywood blockbusters. New movies are featured every weekend at the Gaylord lot of the Star in Frisco. For details, visit thestarinfrisco.com. You're in the Players' Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com. We are in the SWBC Mortgage Virtual Home Studios. I'm Newey Scruggs, joined by Barry Church and Danny McCray. Both those guys played safety for the Cowboys. I'm just merely a reporter who talks about them. All right. There uh, we go. Late Leighton Vanderesh, he's going to miss six to eight weeks with a collarbone injury. 
And his rookie year, he was sensational, ended up making the Pro Bowl last year, missed seven games dealing with a spinal injury. And Jerry Jones was asked on his weekly radio show on 105.3 The Fam, his thoughts on the possibility that Leighton Vanderesh is well, injury prone. Uh, his injury that he had a year and a half, year ago, uh, I think over a year ago, uh, that, was, uh, that was not an injury prone type injury. Now, he plays what I call a space collision position. Those are linebackers, safeties, tight ends, uh, fullbacks. Uh, those guys collide in space. You have injury at those positions uh, of that nature. But still, uh, it was so rare or so uh, specific to the position he was in when he did it. And I, I don't add that talking about his initial neck injury, I don't add that to anything, and I don't think I'm any more vulnerable one way or the other. Uh, the the idea of uh, uh, having the, uh, the, the, the injury that he's got right now is just bad luck. We've seen it, and you do see it in football. I think he'll come back from it. No, I don't think he's injury prone. I think he plays a tough physical position, and he's going to have injury that he deals with. All right, that is Jerry Jones on 105.3, the fan of the Dallas Cowboys flagship radio station. Danny McCray, is it just bad luck? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this makes him uh, injury prone. Uh, you know, I think that he plays a position uh, where you, you, you need really, you know, your neck and your shoulders. And he just had bad luck to me last year when, when he injured his neck the first time. And I think that that's just going to be a lingering issue for 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 him and um in his body parts that are above the shoulders, right? So his his neck and all that stuff that he uses to shock and uh and, and control people who are, who are trying to come block him, I think that that's going to hold him back for the remainder of his career. So I think that that six to eight week thing may be for the rest of the season, unfortunately, because like we said previously, you don't want to play with neck injuries and you don't want to come back too soon because it could end your career. And we had a guy Devonte Holloman who who experienced that, so. You know, I, I just hope they take their time with him and, and let him really get healthy before he comes back. Yeah, for me, I, that's a t it's a tough question. I don't see him as being injury prone just because of the injuries that he has sustained, that neck and that collarbone. I mean, he plays a very demanding position where you're constantly banging against, you know, 300-pound offensive linemen and trying to shed them off you and hitting 230-pound running backs coming through the, through the hole full steam. So I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but I will say he just lacks durability maybe. Maybe that's a better way to put it because um, if you're playing that position at linebacker, I mean, you, you got to be sturdy. I mean, you're going to be banging pretty much every single play so to have those soft tissue injuries and that collarbone and the neck I mean that's that's just not a good sign those are injuries like McCray said that can linger along and if you're a linebacker in this National Football League you're gonna be banging every single play so to have a neck issue or to have a collarbone issue yeah it might heal up in a couple weeks but all you're gonna do is get right back on those field and bang and bang and bang some more it ain't like you're a corner or a safety where you might hit you know every once every five plays I mean with a linebacker you're hitting every play so I just think I don't think he's injury prone. I just think he has to maybe do some, some more work on the soft tissue injuries, get more durable because uh, going out there in this Mike Nolan system, he's going to be pretty much banging every play. So he just got to get more durable uh, to last throughout the season.
So, so how does a player get more durable? With Sean Lee, who's already on injured reserve and missed the first three games for the Cowboys, this is the story of Sean Lee's whole career is not being available and having to deal with injuries. So if Leighton Banderesh is not injury-prone and it's bad luck, what, what would we call Sean Lee and, and what, what, what the Cowboys have gone and dealt with with him? When he plays, he's good. But he doesn't play a lot all the time. Yeah, and I think I think Vanderish has kind of fallen into that same type of type of mold. When they're on the field, when they're healthy, they're top five linebackers out there. It's just when they don't play, I mean, they just don't play it enough, you know, like we said. But um, with Vanderish, as far as his durability and that soft tissue injuries, for me, I, I'm not a professional or anything like that. But I just think it has to do with flexibility, man. If you if you're out there stiff, really stiff. Um, I mean, you're going to pull more things. You're going to have more soft tissue injuries. So maybe it's a fact that he has to work more on his flexibility than going out there and working on trying to strengthen things up. Just try to work on your flexibility. And that may uh, help you last a little bit longer. Well, I'm going to go. I'll say that. Uh, so I, I kind of categorize these two as, as, as pretty different just because Sean Lee hasn't really had those like an injury like LVE has. Right. I think. The, the neck and the collar, like breaking bones and messing up your spinal cord is a little different than, you know, um, pulling pulling a hamstring repeatedly or, or messing up your ACL, especially playing a linebacker position. I just think it's really different. And I think it's unfortunate that his first real injury for the Cowboys happened to be a neck injury. We, you, you would rather see something in the lower body with a, you know, you don't, you don't want to see any, but if it's hamstring or ACL or something like that, I think that's just... The outlook for that is a little better, but a neck injury for a linebacker, especially a Mike, a guy who's coming and taking on blocks almost every play, is it's, it's just tough to overcome. And, uh, you know, it, it, you, you can't really help like a broken collarbone, right? You can't train during the offseason to, to make your collarbone uh, stronger. So it's, it's, it's just difficult for him. Okay, let's let's dive into the other linebacker spot because when we were talking about guys that we, we needed to you know have big 2020s, I said it was the linebackers. I included them both, Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith. So Leighton Vanderesh, one game into this, is already uh, going to miss some significant time for the Cowboys, and. Um, Jalen Smith is a guy that I felt like for some reason, I've seen a couple folks, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports and then Michael Gelkin of the Dallas War News, they really piled on high on Jalen Smith. And then they talked about the pro football focus grade, which gave him a grade of 29.5. Mike Nolan, defensive coordinator, was asked yesterday by the media to assess Jalen Smith's play. Here's Mike Nolan. 10 tackles, uh, and I wouldn't. I would say this. I thought Jalen played well. I thought he played with great energy. He had some plays in the game, as as many of us did last night, uh, that were plays we'd like to have back. But but all in all, I thought he did a good job. He had to step back into the the play caller role um, that he he hadn't done this training camp. But that's not a hard thing for him. He's a natural leader as it is anyway. But um, I thought that a couple of the plays caught him as you know. Might I, I would say this? The screen maybe caught him. Uh, a time or two. They had a play designed specifically for the pos for the position he was at. I don't know that it was for Jalen, but the position that was going to occupy that position, it was going to cover the running back. They had a little screen where they, they sent the center out real fast to go block the guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he happened to be the one covering the player at the time. So, like I said, I don't know that that was intended for Jalen because anyone that were out, was out there was going to have a blocker on him and still have to cover the running back. But uh, but all in all, I thought he, he played a played a good game. Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Cowboys, also 
said he thought Jalen Smith played well. So, Barry Church, Danny McCray, defensive players that you are, you assess number 54 on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, with my assessment on, well, first, I just think um, Mike Nolan is, you know, he's just being a coach. I think he was downplaying it. I mean, we've, we've seen the media pretty much pile on Jalen Smith. So I just think the coach was just, you know, downplaying it, make it so he, he's not because he need, he know he need he knows he needs Jalen Smith out there to step it up, especially with LV down and and Sean Lee out. He needs him to step it up. So he didn't want to keep piling it on saying how bad he played. But do I think he do I think Jalen Smith played a good game the other night? No, not at all. I mean, as we've seen it a, a many times, there was missed tackles out there and coverage. He seemed pretty much lost. And when they were play action and doing those bootlegs, I mean, he, he was all over the field. I mean, he was in, all, in the wrong sense of the way. So uh, I don't think he played very well at all. He needs to step his game up a little bit because, with the, like I said, with the missing of Sean Lee and LVE, they're going to need him to step up, especially against that run game. So um, hopefully Jalen Smith can, uh, can step his game up this next week against Atlanta. Uh, yes, same here. But, I mean, for me it was the entire defense. So it, it, really, it really is the same. Uh, I, I didn't expect him to be great in coverage, but I did expect him to be running sideline to sideline and then making big hits. I did see him make a big, uh, a few big collisions, but no real, real standout plays like, like, like I expected. Um, and Nui, to, as we as, as we talk about this, I started thinking. I'm like, man, what's up with us in linebackers, right? We so if you think about this. We drafted Sean Lee uh, when I was there, and he already had uh, injury problems. We drafted Bruce Carter, who already right. had injury problems. We uh, drafted Jalen Smith, who already, had who already uh, had injury problems. And now we have LV, uh, who has a neck problem. We just hadn't been hitting on, on, on linebackers for a while. I'll say this. Um, we, we, we have seen the weaknesses of Jalen Smith, okay? We've seen it, despite the fact that he made the Pro Bowl. And, and while that's a great honor for Jalen and anyone that makes it, the Pro Bowl is not what it used to be. But I'll say this. The defensive line did him no favors. The defensive line was getting blown back. I mean, what you were hoping to have this year was a defensive lineman could occupy some blockers so Leighton Van Der Esch, Sean Lee, and, and, and Jalen Smith could roam and get to the football. But when the offensive line is for the Rams is taking apart the Cowboys' D-line, that just already puts you behind the eight ball with, with Jalen Smith. So I'm not making any excuses of them at all, but these are reasons of why the Cowboys look so bad. Um, they've got to fix this. Okay, that's the bottom line. They've got to fix this and how they do this. I don't know where they go with Luke Gifford and put Luke Gifford out there. You're going to roll more with Joe Thomas. I, mean, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of trying to make this thing work until you can hopefully get Sean Lee back. But Jalen was one of many guys on Sunday defensively that you, that you, you would put on a milk cart and say, hey, where are you? Um, you know, Tank Lawrence missing. Where are you? So um, I just felt for some reason – there were people in the media who just wanted to put it all on Jalen Smith to say, like, hey, man, you lost the game. No, 54 was not alone out there and not having his best defensive performance. Um, the Cowboys got beat up on the defensive line, and it just went on from there, in my opinion, on how that thing went. Yeah, th that was top to bottom. That was, that was coaching, and that was, that was the players. It, it, it definitely wasn't just on 54. You know, like you said, the D-line was getting getting pushed back and they had linemen in their face. So linebackers were making contact with the running back four yards past the line of scrimmage already. So they really didn't have a chance. So I wouldn't blame this on, on the linebackers at all. I just think it was top down. You know, our scheme, we got out schemed and we got outplayed. 
We have uh, Jerry Jones with comments about Don Terry Poe, the first Dallas Cowboy to ever kneel during the national anthem, and also some breaking news from the world of uh, social injustice. Let's get you that after this break right here on the Dallas Cowboys Players Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at home pickup and delivery today. We can't wait to see the Cowboys back on the field, and we can't wait to pack AT&T Stadium to watch them play. When that time comes, SeatGeek is the place to get all of your tickets, plus tickets to the hundreds of games, concerts, rodeos, and other live events we'll all be able to enjoy again soon. Every SeatGeek purchase is protected by a buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. SeatGeek, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. Otterbox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their Elevation Tumblers? And Otterbox Elevation Tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce growler. Check out all the colors and sizes of their Elevation Tumblers at otterbox.com. It's football season, and when you're tailgating with your friends and your family, you want the best meat on your grill. Pettigene Meats makes the best hot dogs, the Pettigene Griller, or the all-beef franks will score. To complete that tailgate meal, Pettigene Meats has hickory smoked sausage, hot links, Polish sausage, and the best hickory smoked bacon and ham around. Available at your local retailer. And a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. It's Pettigene Meats. Taste the difference. Back to the Players' Lounge. All right, 12 Dallas Cowboys Way brings high-rise luxury apartment living within steps of the Dallas Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco, providing luxury amenities, multiple floor plans, and unparalleled conveniences. 12 Dallas Cowboys Way is where elite living meets exclusive access. Leasing is available now. Book a virtual or in-person tour at 12cowboysway.com. Noe Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter, joined by former Dallas Cowboys players Danny McRae and Barry Church. So for the national anthem at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, there was a first. A Dallas Cowboy has never taken a knee during the national anthem. While over a half dozen players for the Rams decided to take a knee, there was just one Cowboy who did it. That was Don Terry Poe. Here is Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, who in the past has said he would kick off any kick a player off his team who did not respect the flag, but said before this season he would show grace. Here's Jerry on Don Terry Poe kneeling. Well, I thought uh, they, uh, our players, uh, I thought they gave it the sensitivity. Uh, they showed uh, respect to Poe's uh, decision uh, there, and uh, uh, I think they uh, uh, certainly did uh, as close. I hope it was apparent to everybody, apparent fans, uh, 
they did show a sensitivity to our fans as a team, uh, but also, uh, uh, as I hope to ask in a very uh, sensitive way, uh, uh, that uh, the the uh, situation have the help that uh, we hope uh, comes. Uh, all in all, I, I thought our team uh, uh, was uh, uh, very real, very genuine in the way it approached it. All right, that's Cowboys. Uh, that's Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on Don Terry Poe taking a knee. Now, Don Terry Poe and so many players who took a knee are out there le picking up where Colin Kaepernick, who originally took a knee with the San Francisco 49ers, and he, he first sat on the bench, and then he was convinced by former uh, Green Beret Nate Boyer to take a knee. And Colin Kaepernick's whole message was there were too many people who were African-American dying at the hands of police, that there was injustice going on. And one of the names that people have spoken about many times is Breonna Taylor. Well, today in Louisville, Kentucky, breaking news, there was a press conference held by Mayor Greg Fisher announcing that Breonna Taylor's family will receive a $12 million settlement. In addition, significant police reforms will be implemented in the city of Louisville. Breonna Taylor died in March after police officers executed a no-knock warrant at her apartment and they shot her eight times. Other things coming out of this news conference is uh, commanding officers must approve search warrants, incentives for police officers who live in a city, improve relationships with the community, and social workers to help with mental health calls. And also, the mayor said that the $12 million settlement does not acknowledge wrongdoing or fault in Breonna Taylor's death. And Ben Crump, the attorney for the uh, for the family says that the $12 million is the largest wrongful death settlement ever paid for a black woman killed by police in America. So that is the latest on that situation. So many times when we watch the NBA games, the WNBA games, um, uh, Breonna Taylor uh, has been very adamant on 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 t-shirts uh, I thought I think Sean Payton of the Saints had it on the face mask that he wore at the Superdome over the weekend so um, 12 million dollars does not bring back Brianna Taylor to her family but I did want to at least uh, bring that news out there because this has been um, something has linked sports um, and, uh, with social injustice here with Brianna Taylor gentlemen I'll, I'll see the floor to you go ahead D-Mac uh, yeah, so, so 12 million and, and no wrongdoing, huh? Uh, listen, the, the, the price tag on life is, 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 is very steep and 12 million doesn't cover it. I'm sure the family is still looking for justice for, for their daughter, their sister, you know, their niece. And uh, I, I really hope they get it, right? And, and they said it in the, uh, in the press meeting that this is only the beginning. It's a step in the right direction. But, uh, you know, they have to be held accountable. And I'm glad that you know, people were able to bring uh, attention to this enough to where they were able to get a settlement uh, of that amount. But I hope, you know, they, they keep pushing for justice and I hope that they reach it and they get it. Yeah, I, you know, I, you know, like you said, D-Mac, uh, 12, I'm sure that family would give all $12 million back um, just to have her, you know, back with their family. But um, I mean, it's just it's just unfortunate, even when they say, you know, no wrongdoing. I mean, she, she was shot eight times. I mean, it's it's very unfortunate, and um, I mean, I hope the family still is looking for justice from those police officers. Uh, it's just, 
it's, it's, man, it's hard to even put words into describe, you know, how frustrating it is. But um, hopefully it's a step in the right direction. And with these police reforms and teaching these, these officers, you know, hopefully they just make it to where you just can't come up and say, hey, I just want to be a police officer. I want to just I want to do the training and get in there. No, I think that hopefully they make it to where you have to be experienced or you have to have some type of long term training before you become a police officer, because you give power with a gun. To the wrong person. I mean, we've seen what it happened countless times. So, hopefully, uh, justice just—I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. That's one's a tough decision. Naomi Osaka, who won the U.S. Women's uh, Open in tennis, she had also um, wore a mask with Breonna Taylor's name on it. So, 12 million does not bring her back, but uh, it's a part of helping the family get some closure and get some justice. So, when people um, criticize the Cowboys and, and a player like Don Terry Poe, this is why a guy like Don Terry Poe is kneeling to bring awareness to this issue. To say that Breonna Taylor, at her home, was shot eight times by police this is not right and this has to be fixed in america because so many times we are looking at these things happening to black people that's what the players are uh, trying to address in several sports so i just want to make sure we got that that's the latest that has just happened within the hour the news of brianna taylor's family getting a 12 million dollar settlement from the city of louisville kentucky they have not admitted any wrongdoing or fault for her loss of life want to no, get back here it yes no, what, what did, uh, did so did the uh, the Cowboys do any demonstration before the game, or was it you know Don Terry Poe uh, took a knee and then you know they sung the national anthem and then we kicked off? I I, I wasn't able to see the pregame. That that's what I saw. Um, what what's interesting now, and I asked Clarence Hill because there was a phone call, uh, I should say a media conference call uh, before the season where they had Tyrone Crawford and. Clarence Hill, the Star Telegram, was asking questions about you know, social justice and you know, what basically he was saying, what are the Cowboys going to do? Because we've seen several teams starting to do some things. And uh, Tyrone got a little testy with Clarence. He said, yeah, I want to talk to you offline. You know, he, he said, I want to talk to you because he felt like Clarence was really kind of going hard on the Cowboys. But Tyrone Crawford said that they were going to do something and it was going to be powerful. So we did not see it in week one. I am wondering, does this happen at AT&T Stadium against the Atlanta Falcons? I, I do wonder because the only person we saw who, who did anything was Don Terry Poe. Jacques Taylor um, wrote a column about it over the undefeated on ESPN.com. So uh, check that out if you have not um, seen that at all about how Don Terry Poe was basically out there by himself. And certain teammates had even told Don Terry Poe, we don't want you to be out there uh, all alone. But Poe, who said um, during training camp he was going to take a knee during the National Anthem, ended up doing it, Danny. Please see them flip-flop like uh, Baker Mayfield once the going got tough. Um, that 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 was you know, and, and they lost. Shout out, whatever to Baker Mayfield. I thought it was uh, very interesting because a lot of teams did a lot of different things, and as powerful as they wanted to make it, or as subtle as they wanted to make it, they went out there and they did something. Uh, to note, it was I think it was the Seahawks versus the Falcons who uh, before for the first kickoff, they, both teams took a knee and they kicked the ball through the end zone. You know, they came up with something, you know, if you're not going to do nothing, that's fine. But I, I believe we heard them say that they were and they didn't. And shout out to Poe for sticking to his word and standing up or taking a knee for what he believes in. We'll see. We'll see what they do on Sunday. That's that's because I, I ended up. Uh chat with Clarence yesterday and I asked him I said did you have a conversation with Tyrone Crawford and he said no they, they had not so something to, to keep an eye out on uh, Jason Lockenfora writes for CBS Sports and he did a uh, 
pretty interesting uh, column talking about Dak Prescott's deal and how things fell apart. I'm going to just read some of this here and get you guys' reaction. So they had an agreement, basically. They came to an agreement. Dak Prescott, uh, agent Todd France of the Cowboys, it was five years uh, for $35 million a year, so a total of 175 But the sticking point, according to Lock and Forge reporting, is Dak's side said no franchise tag at the end of the deal, which you can do that. Okay, where you can simply say, hey, look, I'll sign this deal, but you have to agree that you will not franchise, uh, you do not have the ability to put the franchise tag on me at the end. The Cowboys refused to do that. And that ended up scuttlebutting the deal here for the Cowboys. And oh, by the way, since they didn't get that deal done for Dak at 35, we see um, Patrick Mahomes got his contract done. Uh, Deshaun Watson just got his deal done for $40 million a year. And the Baltimore Ravens very soon are going to have to go ahead and take care of Lamar Jackson. They probably will do that this offseason. So the Cowboys basically falling further and further behind the eight ball when it comes to having any type of negotiation or any leverage with Dak Prescott. Next year, Dak's going to get $38 million on the franchise tag here. So the Cowboys, uh, according to several different sources that were unnamed in this Jason Lockenfora uh, story, said Jerry. Jerry Jones and the Cowboys messed this thing up by not signing Dak Prescott, and they misread the quarterback market. Barry Church, your thoughts on you just heard about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with this uh, this article. I mean, like you said, they they had the agreement in place. I mean, they, he agreed to the five years. All he didn't want was a franchise at the end of that five years. And I mean, who knows what's going to happen throughout those five years? I mean, you know, hopefully he would have stayed healthy, but. Who knows if the Cowboys even wanted to would even want to franchise him after five years? I think they should have just got that deal done, had him on the books, and it's a done deal. But they didn't, and now the franchise is at what thirty-one point seven this year, I believe. And then next year, if he has another good season, it's going to be at thirty-eight. So that'll be around forty million guaranteed or seventy million guaranteed. Uh, through the first two years when Patrick Mahomes, I believe, if the article was right, was only going to get $63 million for his first three years. So, I mean, um, the guaranteed money for Dak and two franchises is already over the, the Mahomes deal. So, I think they made a mistake here. And like you said, Deshaun Washington got his for roughly $40 million a year. I think if they do do a long-term deal in the future, it's going to cost them between 42 and $43 million a year. And that's an extra, what, $8 million right there that they could assign to, you know, a backup dude or, or somebody like that. Um, um, in another position that's not as pricey as a quarterback. So I think they made a mistake, but I think they'll get him done long-term eventually. Holy, because I'm, I'm definitely opposite. This is, to me, this is all going downhill for uh, Dak being the Cowboy. I'm starting to see that, uh, you know, this could end up working out for the Cowboys, it's, and this is only based off what happened week one. If this continues for the entire season, I am not paying this dude forty million dollars on no franchise tag for next year. You, you, you could possibly see Dak out of here and us going to make a move for somebody like A Rod or something. I, I, I told you that this is, and I'm going to stick with it. This is a played out year for Dak, and and I think they see it that way. If he doesn't, if he doesn't produce with all these weapons around him and get them to where they believe they should be then we could see a quarter, uh, Dallas Cowboys team without Dak Prescott on the next season. You, you think A-Rod's yeah. going to come and join, join McCarthy again? Why, yeah, I, I, listen. Yeah, I, 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 say, I, say, I say A-Rod, but I really mean any, they, they could just go in a different direction at quarterback. But I say A-Rod just because he's probably up there upset because they drafted his backup already. <laughs> Danny, I, I'm going to shock you, okay? I'm going to shock you, Danny. I'm starting to believe you, man. 
I really am. What? Am because oh. because if if you're if, if you okay, you read this article and you start talking about the kind of numbers. First off, Todd France was already going hard on him, and they spoke about how this thing got personal. Um, you're going to get to that point in time if you're the Cowboys and you start to look at where this cap is and you simply say, if we have all these weapons and if he's not taking us to 13 wins and we're going deep in the playoffs, they may decide, look, we can win with Andy Dalton. We can go get some I – mean, look how many quarterbacks didn't have jobs this offseason who were starters. Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston. They could decide to go in a different direction. This still is America's team. And if you're a free agent quarterback right now and Jerry Jones and company say to you, look, there's Ezekiel Elliott, here's C.D. Lamb, here's Amari Cooper, here's Michael Gallup. We'll go try and get you a, a, a tight end and, and hopefully Blake Jarvin can come back here. There's going to be some people who say, you know, I'll, I'll take some of that here. So while Todd France may want to break the bank here, if you're the Cowboys, as this thing keeps going further and further, man, as days go by, what Danny's saying here is real. They, they paid Tony Romo a nice chunk of money before Tony Romo was the guy, but they had faith in him, and then they re-upped him again. They didn't do that here. And at some point in time, they're going to simply say, you know what, we'll go somewhere else. Because I'm telling you, man, I hate to admit it, Danny's making more and more sense. And along the way here, you know who's been right about this stuff? Danny. Thank you, Newton. So y'all telling, so telling me, so y'all telling me, so y'all telling me after one week, y'all gonna sit there and say, hey, I, you know, there's Jameis Winston out there, 30 interceptions, and you're gonna, the Jameis Winston's gonna no. take us out there, and it, and then and then, New, you said Andy Dalton. I mean, who else are y'all gonna get? That's why I'm like, you're talking about going to get these free agents. What free agents? What free like? So, what, what are we talking about? So yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So so, so you so if the Cowboys go eight and eight, you paying back 38 million next year? What else is out there? <laughs> It'll be something less than 38. <laughs> right, I, I, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, some, some rookie in college. You're not going to have a high enough <laughs> to get one of uh, Fields or Lawrence. You, 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 know, you, right. you go at 8 and 8 anyway. Why would you pay $38 million for a quarterback? <laughs> you, you're not going to win. It's already proven. I just don't know where else you're going to go. I just don't know where else you're going to go. Church, I'm a you, you, church. First off, when I was at camp and I saw Andy, with these weapons in this offense, Andy looked fine. When Andy had weapons in Cincinnati, they were going to the playoffs. Now, and, and, and what did they do when they got there? Hey, uh, the same thing I, we did. <laughs> he won a game. He won a playoff game. <laughs> when did Andy Dalton ever win? He said eight, eight, oh, eight playoff game. Okay. Church, church, <laughs> understand what I'm saying here. I'm not telling you that I believe Andy is better than that. What I'm simply saying here is as these numbers are going to where this article that, that Jason Lock and Four wrote, if this is where Todd France is, that Todd France is going to want more than Deshaun Watson of 40 million. If you're talking about having to give him a $42 million a year contract, the Cowboys, I believe they're going to get to that point where they say, you know what, we'll go ahead and look at the other option. Even though Andy Dalton is not as good as Dak Prescott, he does know our system, our guys have worked with him, we can get Andy on a one-year deal. They can do that and then draft somebody. I'm just telling you, man, the more this thing keeps going further and not getting done, you have to start to introduce the fact that they can start to say, let's look at plan B because it's going to save us a heck of a lot of money here. So they might go get Alex Smith. When <laughs> So you're saying with all this talent we have on this roster, all this built-up talent, you you gonna tell me they, you would rather go with Andy Dalton and uh, and uh, and draft somebody to rebuild with all this talent you got around them than just sign Doc Prescott? Is that, is that what you're saying? 
What I'm saying, okay, Danny, understand what I'm saying. Here. <laughs> I know, I, I know. What, the, no, that's church. I know, I know what Barry, you're saying. <laughs> I mean, Barry, where, where the agent is trying to go with this thing, where the agent's going to sit up here and say, okay, I think my guy's better than Deshaun Watson. If Watson got 40, I want 41. I want 42. And if Jerry says, no, I don't want to pay that, and then you talk about on a four-year deal, and oh, by the way, don't franchise tag me. Um, I don't see the Cowboys going for it. If they didn't go for this. I don't know how they're going to sit up here and keep going to 40 and 42 because when you read the when you read the column locking for a wrote, he says the Cowboys have continually missed the mark on this, that they have messed up along the way. And at some point in time, how long do you keep digging this hole and you just say, you know what, Dak, we love you, but we're not going to pay this price. We'll take a quarterback who's not as good as you, but it's not going to cost us the same. We still feel like we have a whole lot of talent around here, and we'll go there. I'm telling you what Danny is saying is starting to make more and more sense to me, despite what the fact that Steven and Jerry Jones say, we want to sign Dak, we love Dak. They told us that all offseason, and they didn't get a deal done. This thing has become personal. It was personal last September, according to several reports, that they Jerry thought he had a deal done with Todd France, and it didn't work out. So if, when Danny says, hey, if this team is, is just a 500 team or just a little bit above 500, is it worth it to you to pay 40 $42 million and not be able to go out here and, and fill out the rest of your roster because they missed the boat on this? Church, that's not crazy at all to say they could decide okay. we'll go with an Andy Dalton. Okay, okay. If that if that's all y'all think, I mean, I said my piece, so all right. We'll see. I, 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 I think you just stuck on the Andy Dalton part. I, it's it, it'll be somebody else out there. It'll be a deal to be made for a different quarterback, even if it's not Andy Dalton. Like once the season's over, a lot of things will change, and I think some guys will be uh will will, will come available for, for for them to get if if and if we have to go down that road. And this is all predicated on if they if they go eight and eight or nine and seven. This is all predicated. They don't go to to at least at least win a playoff game. Okay. All right. You know, Cam Newton can be available. I mean, there's going to be some guys. Nah, we, and and, and this also, Cam. to me, okay, this also comes into the fact you're you've got a quarterback, a guy who's worked with two good quarterbacks is going to go a Hall of Fame one day and Mike McCarthy. So this is where you go back and you put it on your head coach. Hey, man, make this guy better. The same way you go to a John Gruden, you go to Sean McVay, and you say, hey, look, you're supposed to be the quarterback guru guy. Go go ahead and make a guy better. But as this goes along, church, I'm no longer just going to sit up here and say, hey, the Jones family said they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. They haven't gotten it done. And in the past, I could always rely upon and say, hey, they always get their person. Well, guess what? That's not the case anymore. So it would be crazy to not talk about plan B, which is we'll allow Dak Prescott to go and find someone else. Now, here's one question, Church, and you got to answer this for me. Do you feel like Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback? When I talk franchise quarterback, I'm talking Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking Drew Brees. Do you feel he's in that category? I mean, it's it's a little much to say he's, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees right now, but I do he believe Deshaun he's a franchise Watson? quarterback. Oh, without a Is question. Is he Deshaun Watson? Oh, uh, okay. So yes, without a question. You put him up in there with Deshaun. He's, so when we talk about yes. Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you feel he's in that class? Without a question. I mean, look at look at their look what they've done so far in the league. I mean, they both won a division, I believe, two times. They're both one and two in the okay. playoffs. It's not like Deshaun Watson is just hands and feet above uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, they've done pretty okay. much the same thing throughout their beginnings of their career. It's, I mean, so I'm, without yes. a question, I'm putting Dak Prescott up there with Watson. Okay, yes, and, and I agree with you. Now, guess what? 
the price tag for that is going to be over $40 million now because that's what the agent's going to be looking for. He's going to be looking for over $40 million. He's going to want more than what Deshaun Watson is getting paid here. So are that's you just, ready that's just how if you're it goes. the Cowboys? Okay, if you're the Cowboys, are you ready to pay that amount? They weren't ready to do it at 35 mil right now. They couldn't get a deal done there. <laughs> so now the price tag's going up. So that's where church, or church, church, that's where McCray is trying to tell you. As the price tag goes up, they may decide to say, you know, we'll, we're going we're gonna to cash the chips in. We'll, we'll let it go. Don't sit around here and think that's not an option. I think it's becoming And what I'm an saying, I understand what he's saying. I understand what he's saying. I'm just saying it would be a mistake for the Cowboys to do that. That's what my opinion is on that. It would be a mistake for them to pass up on Dak to go look somewhere else. I just, I just think that would be a mistake. All right. This is going to be a decision they have to get into. Uh, and, and look, if he ends up balling out crazy, then, yeah, you write the check. But if it doesn't happen that way, you definitely have to have the conversation. Do they but go what it, So route? what? Because so we. We say ball out crazy, but what is like what is not balling out crazy? Like, do we consider him just he has to he has to win a playoff game for him to get that check, or it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what the playoffs. If he balls regular season, he'll get that check. Like, what are we saying is the determining factors for him to get in the getting paid? Last year doesn't cut it. Last year last year's performance does not cut it, even though he was the so stick, it's not statistically. Stats. No, okay, uh, no st- stats are included. That stats are you can't play like trash and then your defense carry you, which won't happen this season. <laughs> but but you, you, you got to put up something and you got to lead your team to to a playoff run. You got everything around you. They can't they can't give you any more. <laughs> okay, so two thousand so two thousand eighteen, two thousand eighteen Dak, when he went to the playoff, he had decent numbers. Went to the won the division. They won the uh, wild card game. They lost the divisional. Would that be enough to get him paid? I still don't know about that. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm telling you, man, it's going to be interesting because when you talk about paying this kind of money, you're going to lose a player or two who you cannot afford to sign. And when you make this kind of money, a Hall of Fame writer, Rick Gosselin, once told me this. Uh, he said, when we, meaning a team, when we pay you this money, this means you have to carry a whole lot of the load. So you may not get that extra receiver. You may not have that extra D-line because we're putting it on you to carry the load. And that's why Rick always talks about a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron can carry the team. That Mahomes can carry the team. And that question, I can tell you, some people, some people at the star wonder if Dak is that guy. They, 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 there are still question marks about it. So if you're Dak Prescott this year, you need to answer some more of those questions. Knowing your agent is coming not just for the bag, he's coming for the big bag. He's coming for the bigger than Deshaun Watson bag. And, and if you're Jerry, as you keep messing this thing up and not paying the guy, the prices go up more and more. Some point in time, Jerry's got to ask himself, as any businessman does, what about the return on investment? What about the ROI? And that's going to be the question that the Cowboys have to answer. So far, they've told us they're not sold on him. All I go by is what I see is what Bill Parcells used to say. And what I see, and Danny is convincing me more and more, what, what we see is they're not sold to the point that they're ready to write that check. They were sold on Tony Romo twice and giving him contracts. They're not sold on Dak Prescott. So, no, you, um, just, you just said it. You just said it. What The ROI. They already got the ROI. They good. <laughs> <laughs> they got him in the fourth <laughs> round. They got everything they needed out of deck. All right, you talk about return on investment. They return on investment is astronomical. All right, so so you gonna jump back in and, and, and pay more for it, or you just gonna get out of there and say, man, I, I made I made my bread off him. Mm, mm, mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all long. My bad. Yeah, we, we late. We late. My bad. Yeah, we're, My bad. We're late. We're going long. We're taking up Chris Chris Beam's time. He got something else to do now. Our producer, Chris. <laughs> all right. For for Danny McCray, for Barry Church, I'm Nui Scruggs. We appreciate you checking out the Players Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com right here on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-